Oh, hello. It is the Fan Drive Time, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Sportsnet 360, Ben Ennis, Blake Murphy, and Blake, it's been 6,946 days since Joe Neuendijk's pair of goals did help the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs beat the Ottawa Senators in Game 7 of the first round in 2004. Since that, eight series the Toronto Maple Leafs have played, six winner-take-all games, lost them all. In fact, uh, the record in possible clinching games, 0-10 over that span, if you can believe it. The record when leading the series after, you know, it is improved now to 2-17 and after the victory in Game 4. Could all be ancient history, though, with a victory at home tonight in Game 5 against the Tampa Bay Lightning. We just saw Sam McKee, producer of Real Kipper and Bourne. He was losing his mind. Uh, the city feels like it's 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 on eggshells a little bit. Like there's a huge emotional component of uh, tonight's game. We'll get into the nitty gritty, but like from an emotional level, w- what's your thought process here? It's a lot, and I am of several minds. My brain is all over the place today. Um, for example, I'm looking up things like, oh, you know what? It's uh, it's actually even worse than having not won a playoff series since 2004 because if you wanted to go back to the year 2000, uh, they've only won one series since that time that wasn't against the Ottawa Senators who are, you know, as <laughs> much as... parse it that much. I know, but it's just like, it is funny that like <laughs> at one point in time, the Leafs were on the other side of this yeah, and, then, and then things flipped around and oh, hoisted by your own petard mm. here. Although the Leafs have, instead of having one team that is the team that gets in their way, the one team that gets in their way is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Mm. So um, emotionally, I I kind of go back and forth because I, I actually, I don't feel super anxious or nervous that, that much. I, I like to compare it to, you know, I have a lot of experience on the Raptors beat and covering some pretty big games there. Yeah. Um, you know, somewhere between game five and game seven of the Pacer series in 2016, where it was like, if you lose this, the whole thing's going to get blown up and we don't know where you go because it's a couple, it's three playoff exits in a row. And you know, the regular season stuff isn't translating to the playoffs. And this is a a million times grander because it's the Leafs, not the Raptors. And it wasn't an accidental get good. It was an intentional one. And it's more than twice as long as that streak was. Having said all that, the Raptors also weren't up three games to one, and there is an element of not certainly not comfort. I know if the Leafs were to lose tonight that every successive day is going to get bigger and bigger and heavier and heavier, um, but I, I guess I'm just not in, like, victory, like, preemptive victory lap mode where, like, I, I'm not... I'm oh, not cons- nobody in the city is, though. No, Nobody has that kind of confidence, right? Like, I think everybody's... Maybe not even hoping for the best, but like expecting the worst, right? In mm-hmm. this city, every, everybody's seen enough. Like I just rattled off the stats; it's insane. Like the six straight oh, winner take all it games. It gets worse than just the zero and ten, by the way. Okay, what, what else you got? They've been outscored in those games forty to twenty-one. <laughs> uh, they're two for twenty-two on the power play. Buddy, we'll talk about that part because that's a huge part. of And they've game, only killed off twelve of nineteen penalties. Like their special teams in these situations have been atrocious, and they've been almost doubled up on the scoreboard like that's not last year were close games generally they haven't been close games um mm. they, well and, they, they were all all three of them after they were up uh 3-1 against the montreal canadians mm-hmm. were also close games including a couple overtime games yeah and here's the here's the other thing about that so since 2016 this is recent nhl history since this streak started um teams that are up 3-1 and play game five at home are actually only eight and 14 yeah. Hard to close well, a series the early Boston out. Bruins yesterday. Yeah. Hard to close a series out even at home um, this early. Well, now, especially this year where no home teams win in the playoffs, apparently. Yeah, apparently. 
And we'll, uh, yeah, there are some interesting John Cooper comments about that. I'm sure we'll yeah. get into, and we'll talk to Randy Carlisle about it at yeah. 530 um, because there's some very nice psychological gamesmanship going on there. Um, anyway, a lot can go wrong. And obviously every everyone who has spent more than, not even, I was going to say who has spent more than five minutes with Leafs. I was just talking to William Liu of yeah. the Raptor <laughs> show with William Liu. And he has dropped in, like parachuted in as a Leaf fan in the playoffs, as he sometimes does, especially when the Raptors are done. And he has tuned in to the third period in overtime, the last two games, and only seen the very best version of this team. But even someone like that, who's just like jumping in for the good moments, understands the anxiety here and was surprised that I wasn't like more nervous about tonight. Yeah, so... It's palpable. I, and I'm, I'm not done talking about that part because we'll, we'll get into the nuts and bolts and what, you know, what trends tell us and what the Maple Leafs have to do that they've done well during this series and what do they have to maybe reverse course uh, headed into tonight's game. But I, I will say, just from a personal perspective, and we talked about it probably going into the playoffs, I, I just want to be able to talk about this team in normal terms. Like, that's yeah. the biggest thing, right? Like, hey, there's lots of teams that disappointed in the long run. Like, those Sharks teams that were... Great, great regular season teams with Joe Thornton, Patrick Marlowe. They never won a Stanley Cup, and that was a disappointment. They made it to one, though. They mm-hmm. won rounds, right? Like, they're, they're, the Panthers, and I know they were President's Trophy champions, they won a round. That was a disappointment. I mean, but the, it was, even the Bruins, team. even the Bruins that the Leafs very well cup. made. Exactly. In like, and it's, it's almost... Uh, remarkably good and remarkably curious that they have had this group for like like well the group but they've had bergeron and a bergeron like the old bergeron core and then like that how gill played with and stuff who we talked to the other day and then like the early march end period and then now this period and it's like yeah that's like 18 20 years (laughs) and yeah you can make an argument they've been a disappointment how good they've been you could even argue like if you wanted to be a real negative person you could look at the last seven, eight years of the Pittsburgh Penguins where Sidney Crosby was and Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang were all still somewhat in the front. Three cops, though. Right, but in the back half of that, you know, uh, it's a missed opportunity to be kind of the last true NHL dynasty, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, you know, uh, they were one, they were making the playoffs away this year from matching the Leafs' first-round exit streak. Yep. No. So, there. look, it, all of that just highlights how difficult hockey is, of course, and um, how you can always find little things like that. But I'm with you. I, I would love to, whether it's the rest of this playoff run, whether it's this time next year or the, uh, the opening week next year, to be talking about hockey and the team and the product and not and, the ghosts. And the ghosts exist. They're, what was it that uh, Paul McClain said? They're under the, they're yeah, under they're the cushions. Under, under the bed. They're, yeah. they're in the closet. They're everywhere. They exist. I just... I don't like talking about them. It's not. It's not <laughs> because fun. it doesn't make sense. It it truly is like yeah. You 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 couldn't have flipped a coin in a worse way. Six straight winner take all games. Ten straight opportunities to win a series to yeah. lose all of it them. It reminds it's me. Did you read that big profile recently about the the handful of Croatian gamblers who like beat roulette? Yes, I did. And it turns out that it's actually like. It's possible if you're like paying a ton of attention and know what to look for, like you can get like a point zero zero one percent edge, but that is enough to change your pattern so that a game that is supposed to be unbeatable in the long run can be beat. That's what it feels like talking about these ghosts all the time. It's like, look, you you've got a thirty six and thirty eight chance of of winning. That's not good. Um, 
and then somehow it, it just plays out that way. That's what it feels like, and it doesn't make for, I mean, it makes for great analysis on this show and on Kipper and Bourne and stuff, but it doesn't, like, I would much rather be talking about hockey all the time instead of hockey asterisk well, and No, but ghosts. we can also talk about ghosts, but, like, different ghosts. Like, these ghosts are ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, the 67 ghosts, like, those are the ghosts we should be talking about. Winning a Stanley Cup, those are the real ghosts. Like, who, who are these ghosts? That were, winning a first-round ghost? That's not a no. ghost. These are, like, the, the, it's like, if you played Mike Tyson's Punch-Out and you can't beat the first guy that's Let's not why go. the game yeah that's not why the game's hard it's supposed to be <laughs> it's supposed to be mike tyson that you're having trouble beating not the first guy <laughs> it's true and and maybe all the ghost talk over the last near 20 years will be just forgotten about um after tonight maybe not though holy cow i don't even really go down we get we have plenty of time for that conversation but i will say Okay, if you want to start going down the path of what we can actually look for in hockey, in the hockey game tonight and what has gone wrong for the Maple Leafs, at least in recent vintage when they've had opportunities to close out games, this team is averaging the most goals per game in the Stanley Cup playoffs right now. Almost mm-hmm. five goals a game. They also, you can go back to last year, only one game, they scored fewer than three goals against Andre Vasilevsky. And he only allowed that five times the rest of the postseason and basically hasn't done it in the playoffs during this Tampa Bay Lightning era except against the Leafs so here are the last five opportunities the Maple Leafs had to to close out series so three of them against Montreal two last season against Tampa Bay here's the number of goals scored three two one that was the Montreal series last year three one it's it's goal scoring Blake like I know people maybe not people who have watched this Leafs team all season long or watched the postseason this year I think outside observers still look at this Leafs team as like, oh, they, they can play kitty bar the door hockey. They're giving up chances all, all over the place. And boy, they're dangerous if they outscore you. But that's not really, that's not this team. No. And it, we, we know that. We broke it down going into the playoffs. Hey, at the deadline, should they be focusing more on I mean, look at what their bottom six looks like, right? Like they have even even the decision to not bring Michael Bunting back in tonight. Yes, there's the don't mess with hockey stuff. Winning is sacred, as Hal Gill told us yesterday. Yeah, but that is another in a long chain of decisions that emphasizes low event hockey and defense first hockey in certain parts of the lineup. And that's why I think they don't want to touch that fourth line. And yeah, I know some of the expected goals and possession metrics aren't great. I think we, we need to find a way to like more accurately snapshot deployment. When we look at those, when we're, I, I I get stuck in it too, because we're all looking for numbers for Mm -hmm. things that we can't quantify, like outside of goals, but like expected goals in a, in a short sample of seven games. Here's the other thing about expected goals. We don't need to do a whole thing about stats, but I'm going to is expected goals. (laughs) Is it set? Like what goes into that is itself results, not process. Like if I spend 20 seconds fighting off three defensemen in the corner, dig the puck out, pass it to you wide open in the slot and you like are just not paying attention and it goes through your skates. The expected goals on that is zero. That's right. You, we have not attempted a shot. I just did a whole bunch of awesome things yep. to control the play and steal the play back and put you in an advantageous opportunity. And we it's get a big old zero though. for expected goal. It is all we've got other than, you know, actually watching the games. And that's where you can look at things. There are also people like Cam Sharon of the athletic who do a lot of great. And um, Corey from shutdown line uh, who do a lot of, great hand tracking going back watching these games uh counting things like controlled zone entries and how much cycle time you have and stuff like that and that can help us get there but yeah when it comes to hey has the fourth line been outplayed by tampa's fourth line because the shot possession metrics are a little better on tampa's side and is that enough to project michael bunting into a fourth line like michael bunting in the 
Lafferty role? Is right. he better than that because he had better metrics on the first line? Like, there's still a lot here that that we don't know and and can't really parse efficiently. I can't wait to though break down how stupid a decision it was to leave him out of the lineup when the Leafs can't score enough goals tonight against the Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, you know where I, you know where I landed on this. The explanation yeah. was no, very wishy washy, no, but I, was, I, I was don't. Down with it. Yeah, it's. Uh, Anyways, but do you agree with me with the, the goal scoring thing? Mm-hmm. That like everybody I mean, needs to play like Matthew Nyes. Yeah, Honestly, the, everybody needs to play Matthew Nyes. Too dumb to like too <laughs> not too dumb. Too young and dumb to to know what's going on uh, with the ghosts well, and and the the playoff history with this team that he's playing fast and loose and and it's yeah, not so just that. It is a little bit of young and dumb. This yeah. is a quote from John Tavares today. I think back to when I was 20 years old, being a bit naive was kind of good. Yep. You know, maybe you don't understand the full circumstances, certain things you haven't experienced yet. Like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that is about, the, that could be about the Leafs ghosts in general, but it could also be about playing freely and sticking to your game and not overthinking just, oh, it's playoff hockey or this yeah. is the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like, Matthew Nice is fresh to this. No, since he stepped onto an NHL ice surface and it started during the regular season and you can say, well, those were meaningless games because the Leafs had already locked it up and they were, but not for him. Like he was trying to make an impression, trying to get himself into a position also, to be in the postseason. Imagine they hadn't done that and worked him back in and then Michael Bunting gets suspended in game right. one and they're going 11-7? Right. No, but ever since he first stepped onto an NHL ice service, a guy looked unafraid to make a mistake. And he's made some. He has made some yep. mistakes, but hasn't backed off. Like, hasn't changed his game to the degree. And that, if you want to look at the, the areas or the, the times in which the Leafs have looked horrible, start a game one. Mm-hmm. The entirety of game three. Over conservative. First, first period of game four. It is worried about being like the Rasmus Sandin in overtime, giving up the puck and having it in the back of your net. Or the Alex Kerfoot in, in game seven. Like, that's and- that's... That's not the way the Leafs need to play this hockey it's, game it's if not. they want to win. And it's also the flip side of that is that part of why they've been able to change the dynamic in late in games three and four is that Tampa Bay has done a little bit of that. Uh, Justin Bourne, you know, made the uh, the comparison to prevent defense in football. But Tampa Bay has gotten much once they have that lead, they get much less aggressive with their hyper aggressive forecheck that yeah. clogs up the neutral zone and makes you either take really risky passes through the middle or just play along the boards, which the, the Leafs aren't particularly adept at. Like they want the puck on their stick to mm. tilt the ice. They don't, they don't want to, other than that fourth line, they don't want to dump and fight for control or they don't want to, you know, make a handful of safe passes. They'd rather do one, you know, more high yield pass and the Tampa Bay lightning. It's something we, we set up coming into this series. They're very good at limiting those rush attempts and your ability to get outside of your own blue line and control entry into your own. end. we saw last year from games five onward, mm-hmm. they broke a little bit on that. And the, and I know that the Leafs lost, mm-hmm. but one thing that tilted from a process standpoint was the Leafs had a lot more comfort and a lot more success Entering Tampa zone and getting opportunities no, off the rush. I mean, yeah, Cam Sharon broke down. I mean, exactly how how well the Maple Leafs have been uh, uh, gaining the zone with possession this series, and it pretty much tracks to the the final two games of the series last season. Of course, the the difference being that Andre Vasilevsky went ham in those final mm-hmm. two games, right? And looked, I mean, not as bad as he's looked. Honestly, the first four games of the series, this is as bad as he's ever looked mm-hmm. in, in a postseason stretch in in like any stretch of hockey. By the way. The, the, it's not like losing four straight games is uh, out of the realm of possibility for this Lightning team, too. They've already done it twice since the middle of March. But yeah. Vasilevsky, in the last two games of this of the series last season, had a 938 save percentage. Everybody knows the book now. like And, and not that they didn't. And, and Derek Lalonde, we're all going to focus on the comments and, and the response from Vasilevsky, who finally did media, interestingly enough. Shocker. Yeah. That this whole, I don't know. There's an element of, 
well, we're not there, but us trying to insert ourselves as an important part of the story there, I think a little bit of like... I guess, but yeah, no, it, it was it was interesting to hear him respond to that and say that they obviously have a game plan and it's worked out pretty well and I, I don't have x-ray glasses so I can't see through human beings. So here is my question to that is not only, you know, Vasilevsky, you'd certainly, with no adjustments, you would expect Vasilevsky to be better. Um, even though a lot of those shots are of the difficult screen and tip in variety. Here's the other thing. Tampa Bay has allowed a lot of that, allowed a lot of that traffic in front of the net and some of the tipping. Yes, because of personnel, they are out some of the pieces, including Chernak, who you would really like yeah. to be clearing bodies from the front of the net and making sure Vasilevsky has a, a little bit of a, of a clearer view. They don't, though. That, those lineup changes are not coming. So if no. you are John Cooper, are you guys adjusting? And what I'm super curious about is, okay, let's say they make that adjustment and suddenly it's not the Tampa Bay defensive show we've become very familiar with over the last couple of years, and it's a different version of that. Well, the Leafs have not had as much success against Tampa Bay um, for two things. One, early in series, those controlled zone entries that lead to rush chances and things like that. Those have not been as fruitful until later in the series. The other one, though, is that premium space in front of the net where the Leafs do a lot of their damage and and you think especially the top six and where they produce a lot of their goals that is something that the Lightning don't really give you like that soft low slot space and I wonder if their strategy changes to be more clear the net front oriented and get up on the point men so those shots can't even get off oriented if suddenly that slot area is a little more fruitful for the Leafs in a way that it hasn't been through 11 playoff games that's the give and take right yeah yeah, it's and, like you you can double team LeBron, but he has <laughs> teammates the past two then, and some nights some nights Rui and Austin Reeves hit their shots, and some nights they don't, and that could be the case with the Leafs, right? If you get up on Morgan Riley and the other guys taking these point shots that are, or you're moving John Tavares, who has for his ups and downs of the series, he has lived with his butt in Vasilevsky's face. Yep. It's been incredible how well he carves out space in front of the net. Um, if they move off of that, what does that do for Mitch Marner in terms of his ability to operate in space? What does it do for William Nylander mm-hmm. if there's a little more space in the offensive zone because they're trying to get up on point shooters and, and you know, maybe the, the I don't know. There's just there's There's got to be something that gives if Tampa Bay is suddenly more worried about these point shots or maybe they don't adjust at all because they look at the long history of Vasilevsky and say, no. Ah, We'll, we'll bet on executing it. Right. And and the book was out on him before this series. It's not like the Derek Lalonde, you know, he broke the code on this thing. No. Obviously, yeah. Sheldon Keefe made reference. Yeah, we, no, we have like a, a, a lot of people being paid a lot of money to kind of look at that stuff. So, no, we're, we're aware. Thanks, though. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nobody. Uh, the, the Toronto Maple Leafs organization, you, we hadn't thought to watch Tampa Bay Lightning games and see how to score on the greatest goaltender of this generation. You know what's interesting as we're, we're talking about this and I'm thinking through the mentality aspect of this and and how it's you know the the cliche that i think everybody's you know at at the old water cooler at the coffee machine today is hey the least got to treat this game like a game seven right like they got to not think about this as one of three potential chances to win the series the more i think about that the more i think that as that should be reversed that you should play fast and loose that you should not worry like don't play Play to win. Don't play not structured yeah. hockey, but understand that hey, if things go haywire because you did play too loose, because you weren't afraid of giving up the the goal that that you know loses the game and sends you back to Tampa for a game six, it's the opposite mentality. When I think about it, like I, I know, and that's probably not the message in that room, but no. whatever allows you to play most free 
offensively would be the mentality that I would I would take. And this is maybe the way you phrase it in the room instead is we have these guys on the ropes three games to one. They've been through this. They can bounce back. But and, and obviously John Cooper had all those quotes after game one about, yeah. um, you know, hey, I'm going to bet on our guys and whatever you say or however many times we've been through it, I, I'm going to bet on our guys. There's good reason to, to bet on the guys in that room. Absolutely. If I'm in the Leafs room, though, I'm saying you've got them on the ropes three to one and they've just blown two games in a row. Let's put the seed of doubt in their head and see, because there are a lot of guys on that team who are old and who have a lot of miles on the, the odometer or yeah. lack of tread on the tires. Victor Hedman is playing really, really well. But even again, to reference Cam Sharon's piece of the athletic, like maybe like 95% of, of Victor Hedman. And is that, is that enough? Can you push on, you know, Corey Perry and Pat Maroon and, and guys like that, even like Alex Clorn's coming up the, the game of his life in his yeah. mid thirties. So maybe he's not the guy, but there is, there, there aren't a lot of fresh pieces here. And I do, uh, of course that room has all the faith in the world that we've been, we've won two cups. We went to another one. Yeah. There's nothing we haven't seen. Maybe the message is, well, test that. Yep, Test yep, yep. the resolve of that because come out tonight after they've blown two games they were up big in and punch them in the mouth right out of the gate. I don't think that team will fold, but is there a, huh, this is it. This mm. is the end. This, well, it was a good run and maybe we don't have it anymore. And if nothing else, you do the opposite of what John Cooper is hoping is going to happen. Tonight. Oh, yeah. We can reference the quote here. Uh, <laughs> there can be times, too, where the home crowd can be a bit of a disadvantage for you. At times, the way the crowd feels, you can feel it. You can feel it work for you or against you. At times, maybe that can get in players' heads. So obviously, yeah, the, the, the psychological warfare that John Cooper has tried to employ at times during this series is day-plus stuff. Like, he's, he's, he's great with it. And, yeah. and is obviously self-aware, knows what he's doing, knows that he's intentionally bringing up the potential for the Lightning to do what they've done, what, three out of the four games and score first and, like, dominate the early run of play here. And then all of a sudden, Scotiabank Arena is deathly silent. It's, it's a library because everybody is thinking about the Leafs blowing it again, going to Tampa for a game six, and God forbid back in Toronto for a game seven and what that might mean. I mean, the... It, it it feels kind of cliche to say and like is important in every game, but for the Leafs to not do what they did in game one or even at the start of, of game four and score the first goal to eliminate that possibility seems epic because it, even if they do give up the early lead, like again, they've done so often in the series, they can come back. So I was going to say, so here's my, my follow-up to you is do you, and yes, this is a fan base that has, that is I'm sure ready deep down to, start worrying again and start looking for those ghosts and I don't know, using those like spectral rays they use in, uh, in horror movies and stuff to try to find the ghosts. Um, but this team did just come back from down big in yeah. consecutive games and bounce back for a tremendous game two after a really bad game one in which also within that bad game one, they almost came back and made that a game until yeah. the Michael Bunting hit. Yeah. Dude, this could have been a sweep. And again, <laughs> I keep coming back to this of like, like how much worse could you like what could you do no, that's worse to Leaf fans? No, do I you know. actually think that there's something to what John Cooper's saying tonight about like Scotiabank Arena bending a little bit if they get down? Because I, I don't know that it's there. Game seven, absolutely. Everyone will be uh, what did what did Hal call yesterday? The sphincter factor? Yeah. That'll be there for <laughs> the game. Creepy crawlies. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if tonight though it's a little more certainly not Teflon, but a little 
more certain in, yeah, you don't have to panic down one nothing early or, or if the first period doesn't go that well. Maybe that, I'm giving the That's the a ghosts. great pep talk. Like, for anybody that's going down to the game, just listen to what Blake said because that's that's the correct mentality to have. Um, yeah, if the Leafs go down early. I think that the best course of action, though, would be to not do that. Yeah. To actually look, like, good. Like, and score early like they did in game two. Like, have a shift like, like Mitch Marner had, creating a turnover, creating a power play, scoring a goal was again from the point uh, on Andre Vasilevsky on the power play. Uh, that would be real smart. So oh, we, getting a power play really early would be smart too. This is the well, the other thing within the those start going. They sure right do. Down. So I was going to say the the power play and penalty kill numbers in this zero and ten stretch when the Leafs have a chance to close a series out. Um, the power play numbers are really bad. They're they're nine percent effective on the power play and the penalty kill numbers are really really bad. Yeah. However, there are only. Two opportunities each way per game right. over that stretch of 10 games. That's 10 elimination games with only two power plays aside on average. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I there should be a lot more five on five time tonight, I would think. And that, based on everything we've seen this year, should benefit the Leafs, if not although, everything we've seen this series. Although, yeah, this series, they have been slightly better on the power play. Both, both teams have been good on the power play, but the, the Leafs slightly, I think they're leading in power play goals six to five, but. Uh, we have more Toronto Maple Leafs playoff hockey tonight, which means they will be running their playoff 50-50 draw. Part of a great cause. Help support youth across Ontario excel through sport and community engagement. Tonight's draw is currently up to $42,905. So make sure to get your tickets at 5050.mapleleafs.com. All right, when we come back, we'll talk to a Stanley Cup winning former head coach of the Anaheim Ducks and uh, your Toronto Maple Leafs. Randy Carlisle next as the fan drive time continues. Ben Annis, Blake Murphy, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, and Sportsnet 360. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan drive time, Sportsnet 590, the fan, and Sportsnet 360. Ben Annis, Blake Murphy, and the and the ghosts, you know, they're they're got their backs up against the wall, perhaps about to be busted tonight. Oh, I think the ghosts don't come out until now. The ghosts haven't even taken like the the ghosts haven't suited up yet. Okay, so maybe the ghosts just don't come out at all. They don't. Yeah, get I don't. I don't think at this point, like in year seven, I don't think they worry about like games one and two like i i think at this point you the the ghosts have had so much work over the year yeah. they're in load management mode they okay. come out for elimination games all right well uh potentially i uh, won't get that that far uh game five well it's still an elimination game yes okay winner take all game it's game five leaves have a chance to win a series okay for the first time in almost 20 years tonight against the Tampa bay lightning at scotia bank arena let's talk to a former stanley cup winning head coach uh it is randy carlisle randy thanks for doing this how's it going Oh, not bad, guys. You guys are in the middle of something big happening. <laughs> I would say uh, the city's a little bit on edge. Um, I, I don't necessarily know what to expect. It's been a pretty wild series back and forth. What are you expecting tonight? Well, you know, the, the, the two days off is, is going to change. Both teams are going to be energized. You know, and I, I, the bruises will heal a little bit. But I, squarely, the pressure is going to be on Tampa. Simple as that. Uh, you know, anytime you're in a, a win-or-go-home situation, uh, the pressure mounts accordingly on your hockey club. And uh, they haven't played to the level that they've historically been able 
do in the playoffs this year. As simple as that. Well, yeah, and and they have um, they've been worn down uh, by the postseason. They played a lot of postseason games over the last uh, three postseasons, winning a conference championship in all three of those seasons and uh, winning a, a couple of Stanley Cups. I mean, you, your Ducks teams there in the late aughts, um, it wasn't just the Cup run. It, it was a number of, of long uh, Stanley Cup playoff runs. How, what kind of a toll does that does that take on the players mentally and physically? Well, it's huge. Uh, you know, the, the people can talk about the Stanley Cup playoffs as, as being, you know, the most grueling championship to win in sports and being part of it and watching the toll it does take on your team. It is, in my mind, I agree with that statement uh, because it's it's something that you can't explain, but the, the intensity that goes from game to game and when the momentum swings for you and against you, mentally those are very very difficult to grasp and to figure out how do you stop them or how do you create them so you're always trying to make adjustments as far as a coaching staff on what you can do to help your team maintain that level and uh, it's a grueling schedule the 16 wins to win that stanley cup is is a, a real real physically and mentally challenging thing to do for a hockey club so, Randy, when you were coaching the Toronto Maple Leafs, you guys were down 3-1 to one in a playoff series and forced the Game 7 against Boston. And we, we could talk about what happened in that Game 7, yeah. but I want to talk about what happened to get to that point first. Uh, down 3-1 in a series. Uh, what is the tone like in the room at this point? What is your message like? Um, you know, John Cooper obviously has the, the advantage that your Leafs didn't have of being able to look at the last three years and say, hey, we've been through stuff like this and we're we're capable of doing this. Believe in the guys in the room. But you know, the, the the context aside, what is the messaging down 3-1 about how do you turn this around? You don't really do anything other than prepare them from a standpoint of relax, go out, and execute. Relax, go out, and execute. Play the game plan that's put in place. Do the things that you can control. Try to leave the emotions of the event that's taking place, and that can be the fans, can be the refereeing, can be the opposition, and just stay focused on what you can control. And if you can control your emotions and get your A game to the forefront as a group, then it improves your chances of having success. Try to stay in the moment. When we were in Anaheim, we had a, a simple little tool that we used and it was actually Dave Farish had come up with and all he did is he took a coach's whistle and put a, a puck on the end of it they had the trainer screw the puck and it just swings like a pendulum and keep the eye and the this focus on that puck that puck is our championship and mm-hmm. the, the, the puck's going to swing one way the emotions that could be the refereeing that could be the discipline lack of whatever you want to decide travel schedule fans whatever it is media that is all in part of that that is going to create that puck to move from swing from side to side. And we use that as a momentum barrier. But I, our job was just to focus on the one thing that we had, one task at hand, and that was to win the hockey game that we were, we were playing and stay with that. Yeah. And uh, we found that it worked, worked out quite well for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just wonder how much different it is for this franchise, Randy, considering the history, right? Uh, considering... What's happened, not just in 2013, but yeah, the 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 the, pre, the subsequent postseason series since Austin Matthews was selected first overall by 
uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, how how difficult would that be to 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 try and block all that out? To to forget about the fact that hey, you've already blown a three one series lead. Like most of the guys in this dressing room have done it, and it happened two years ago against a team that you were far superior to. Like it, it's it's one thing to say it, but I mean that's that seems like a very difficult task for this franchise in particular. Well, I, to me, it's all about maturity. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, the, they say that that it takes time, and I believe that it takes time for a younger athlete, a younger hockey player, to live some of these experiences and to draw back on it. But the one thing that I see in the 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 least version of this year, 2023, is there seems to be a calmer effect that has taken over. Even when they've been down they've found ways to swing the momentum back in their favor, be it a big hit, be it a big uh, uh, body check to make a play, be it a block shot. They seem to be more willing to sacrifice in the small areas of the game that are in turn giving them the opportunity to come back when they've been down two goals, three goals, as per se in the hockey games previous in the series. Yeah. So they've, they've taken on that mantra that they've got to, change the way they were playing and do some of the things that everybody's been preaching and the hockey world has been preaching that they've got to get into the dirty areas. You got to get inside. You got to win the special teams battle. You've got to out, outwill the opposition that you're playing against. And they have done a good job of that so far, but tonight is another test. Mm-hmm. And if they can stay focused and uh, keep their, 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 I guess their, presentation that they plan on bringing to the game if they can stay within the structure of that and stay disciplined they'll give themselves the best chance for success uh, we were just talking randy last segment about john cooper's comments about hey sometimes home ice advantage isn't all it's cracked up to be uh, especially if you get off to a rough start that you can feel the the nervousness inside the building like where, where do you come down on that like is it is it almost a disadvantage for the leafs to be playing this closeout game on home ice uh, I, I don't. I don't agree with that personally. There is pressure that comes with being with home ice, but if you play 82 games or you play 100 games and you have the opportunity to play on your own rink to win the cup or to win the series, I think you'd still take your own building. So let's say things, ice, that's what it, like they call it: home ice advantage. I'm, I'm with you. You work for it all all season long. We, we'd see teams exactly. intentionally tanking down the standings if it wasn't worth yeah. it. Um, so let, let's play out the negative scenario where things don't go exceptionally well to start tonight. Um, again, in that 2013 season, you obviously had the Game 7 play out the way it did. Um, you know, lo- reflecting on that, reflecting on the successes you had in adverse situations with, with the Ducks and then in your playing career as well. Um, how do you avoid something like that if it does start happening tonight? Because there is a little bit of, you know, maybe each player individually doesn't feel it, but certainly the the Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Riley Corps have been through it a bunch. Certainly the it's there's potential for the crowd to feel it. How, if you start to feel that well, a little bit, how do you steer out of it? Well, I just think you stay with the, within the, 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 uh, context of how you're being prepared so far they've done the 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 hockey club has been prepared to go out and have success they've had to play 60 minutes uh, so far in each game and they've worked themselves into a position to be up three to one why would you change what you're doing go out and do the things that you can do they'll have a game plan that i'm 
very sure sure that they expect that they they're going to have to play to Tampa is going to you know is going to give them everything they got but yet if they continue to work at the small areas of the game and keep it simple do the things they're capable of doing and basically outwill the Tampa Hockey Club then they'll have success Randy they, I, I would guess based on the the way you just laid that out and you know stick to the plan stick with what's working Am I reading into it right that you understand and would have made the same decision in terms of not bringing Michael Bunting back into the lineup now that his three-game suspension is up? They've won the three games he's out. They're going to let it ride with the guys who've won three in a row. I think you have to be involved with the situation to, to, to quantify making that decision. On the outside looking in, from my perspective, I would not have done that personally. But I don't know what's going on, and I don't know how good a player the, the, the nice kid is. I, I've seen him play. He looks very comfortable. I think that there was room for Michael Bunting in their lineup, and it doesn't have to be in their top six. I'm sure he can play in their top nine from my perspective. He's earned that right. He's sacrificed for the hockey club. But I don't know what's going on inside. Hmm. So they made the decision based upon, and I've always said this, the coach is going to make the decision that's best for the group and he's going to ice the best lineup that he thinks is going to what it's going to take to, to win the hockey game tonight. And if Michael Bunting isn't part of that, unfortunately that that's the decision that the coaching staff has made. So you go on and you live with it. You go out and play and gives everybody else an opportunity to do and to continue in the, in the roles that they've had previously. And Michael Bunting will get his opportunity in, in the future if they things work out for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and that's the way you have to deal with it, and and it's no slight to anybody, but mm-hmm. the bottom line is, is those guys make those decisions. The coaching staff makes that decision based upon who they think is going to give them the best chance for success tonight. On the outside, looking in from my perspective, that would be very hard to do for a guy that's played with with your hockey club and made a major contribution over the last two and a half years. But I'm not inside, so I leave that up to them, and that's their decision, and I, I live with it. No, I, I appreciate the candor, Randy, honestly. And, and yeah, I mean, this is a guy who didn't miss a, a single regular season game, played all 82 this season, has back-to-back seasons of scoring 20 goals. What if the decision-making process is based entirely on, like, superstition feels like that's, that's putting it too, too, too much? Like, that's, it's not superstitious, but, yeah, they, they have not lost a game with the lineup without Michael Bunting and with Matthew Nyes in, and Nyes was never coming out because he had it looked so good in the three games. Like, what, what if what if the argument is, yeah, hey, if it ain't broke, why would we fix it? And we're just, we're not messing with the lineup even though Michael Bunting's a good player and better than some of the other players that are playing because we just keep winning these hockey games. And 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 to that to that point, would that be a tougher sell to the group if, in fact, you decided to, to take somebody out and put Michael Bunting in after yeah and, and it hasn't been smooth sailing through all three games but the end result is all the same w's across the board in all three of those games without michael bunting what kind of a sell would that be for the room it's not a hard sell at all very simple the group is is gelled together they're they're a, a one for all all for one mentality they've gotten this far they've they, you know suffered through some adversity some ups and downs they've been involved in the, in so far in the series they've come back in in two of the, the hockey games big wins on the road with the group that they have and uh, to me it's a it's simple the, 
the team now is accepting the responsibility of their of where they are and how they got there. And I think that they this would only be a distraction one way or another to start criticizing or challenging if it's the right decision or the wrong decision inside the room. They make that decision and you go forward. We're going forward with these 20 guys tonight and we need everybody to support that position. And I'm sure that's what they're looking for. One of the areas, another area they haven't made a change. We thought coming into this series that the defense pairings might be juggled up over the course of the series or Timothy Liljegren may draw in at some point. Uh, that hasn't been the case in large part because someone you know quite well coached him at two different stops. Luke Shen has been pretty good in this series. Um, how, I, I mean, do you still have a relationship with Shen and how cool is it for you to have coached him as a very young player and, and see him in this spot now back in Toronto um, having some pretty good moments in this series? Well, it's great to to see for Luke. Uh, there's no better person on the face of the earth as far as the teammate and the individual and how he presents himself and how he reps, represents the organization and the organizations that he's played for. He's all business when it comes to playing the game. He's earned everything he's got. He was a, basically a reclamation project, not only in Toronto, probably the previous two stops, he won. Uh, I think he won a cup in in uh, Tampa, yep. and then he went on to Van- Vancouver. So he's been a, a useful player and a great human being. And there's when things like that, and what he's doing now, when things like that are happening to good people, everybody feels good. And it's a feel good situation, and he seems to have gone in there and fit right in. And you know, you can say that there are turning points in the series, but you know, you know, in the in the, the first game. He fought maybe one of the toughest guys in the league and represented yeah. and defended the honor of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And he does that on a regular basis, and then he'd do it again tonight if he had to. That's the type of person he is. Uh, Randy, before we let you go, we do have to ask you, because the Maple Leafs did come back from a 4-1 third-period deficit in, in Game 4 to win a game in, in overtime in, in the postseason. Was your phone lighting up? What, what did you make of that? I mean, the the... the the, the Maple Leafs winning this series seemingly put that 2013 series to bed, I would think. Yeah, I, I think, again, that 2013 series is a long time ago. That's history. This group has no ties to that. Mm-hmm. That's been severed a long time ago. They're out to create uh, the, their own news, and you wish them all the best in their in their endeavors. There's some great people involved in the organization that I have ties with that you know are are good, solid people have worked extremely hard, and there's a lot of people within the organization that deserve this. And hopefully they go out and they play their hearts out and, and be on the right side of the score here tonight. And if it doesn't take tonight, it's the next night. Mm. That's basically the way they have to approach it. Uh, yeah, how do you feel about the, the, the Leaf fan base and what they've had to endure over the last you know, almost 20 years? Well, going beyond that to 1967, uh, are, are you thinking of them tonight going into this game? Well, I think the whole community, the, the franchise, all the Leaf fans, you know, they've been terrorized over the years. And my, I got a good friend of mine that's up in Victoria Beach, and he talks about there's when the Leafs play, there's always appliance trucks delivering new TVs when they lose <laughs> because the fans are so emotional that they throw things at their televisions and they're backed up that 
that the, the television market seems to do very well after the lease of having had success. So I wish them all the best. Uh, it's a great hockey market. They've earned the opportunity and just go out and be the, be the hockey club that they're, they're capable of being. Yeah. And we've seen it through four games, winning three of them. Uh, Randy, I uh, really do appreciate the time today. Thanks so much for doing this. All right. Anytime guys. Thanks Randy. Randy Carlisle, Stanley cup winning former ducks and Leafs head coach who was really forthcoming I thought on the Michael Bunting thing that's that's mm-hmm. like I and he couched it and saying like I don't know everything I'm not in there I, I don't know that there's like ancillary things that I can't quantify I can just go on what I've seen and the guy that's you know scored 50 points 20 goals and put up pretty good offensive track record of the last two years a huge part of a team that you know set a franchise record in points during a regular season two years ago and had the second most points in franchise history this season probably put him back in there um, and that it would be an easiest sell to the guys in that room, despite the fact that the, the group without him is one, three straight. Yeah. And that's, you know, I, I obviously me and you and, and Justin Bourne and everyone else we've talked to this week have gone a little bit back and forth on it because it's not a, an easy, straightforward decision where I keep landing is, ah, oh, if I'm, if I'm making the decision where the better hockey player is not playing in the hockey game that's and yeah. i know it's not as simple as that it's role specificity and, and is bunting on the third line the as valuable as bunting on the first line when you look at who else has to juggle or can bunting play 12 minutes in the the lafferty role say um that is stuff that we just we don't have an answer for and you kind of have to trust the feel in the room or or the uh this winning is sacred mm-hmm. uh element of it um, it is tough, though. It is. It is. I, I guess the other thing too that I, I've come back to a couple times is something I said yesterday, which is that if they don't win tonight, going back to bunting is a really easy change to make. Simple, and it and it maybe like infuses a thing like okay, now we're now we're good. Yeah, and you don't. <laughs> you obviously you don't manage game five that you have a chance to close out as a well. What would we do in game six if we lose? But that is you know if that's a tiebreaker, if it's sharing the tiebreaker with. You don't mess with winning karmically. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, I, I, obviously it's not a it's not a controversial enough decision for me to sit here and passionately say that it's wrong and it's silly and they'll regret it. But Michael Bundy is a better player than some of the guys who are going to play tonight. And I do wonder if that if that becomes a, a question mark at some point, if the fourth line has a rough night or, or there's well, a situation where the top six do need to be even, juggled because yarn croak yeah. isn't having the best game. I think and that's, that's the more likely situation because I think if, if the fourth line gets like caved in and gets scored on a bunch, like they just I, don't play a bunch. Yeah. And, and also Michael Bunting like is, is not joining that group right. to, to do that thing. No, like, he would join the presumably join the top line and yarn croak would yeah. then take say the Lafferty spot or whatever. Yeah. I, I, yeah. We'll see. I mean, if they don't score enough goals, that'll be the 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 guy that we point to. Yeah. Uh, what, what were you going to say? No, I was going to say I, was I just s- have a silly thing that I didn't get to oh, ask okay, Randy. Hold on. But. One, one, one second, while we're talking about Randy uh, and uh, uh, Renault Lavoie of TVA Sports uh, at Scotiabank Arena coming up after six o'clock. By the way, we're only on radio until six thirty today as we get you to Leafs Nation pregame, uh, but we'll be on Sportsnet three sixty until seven o'clock. So we'll switch gears at six thirty to a TV only program. Um, it's never easy in the postseason, except for the 0607 Anaheim Ducks, who only once needed more than five games to win a series during that postseason run. They went to six games against the Red Wings in the Western Conference Finals, five games against the Wild, five games against the Canucks, Cup Final, five games 
uh, against the Senators. And uh, that that feels like very much an outlier. We don't talk about that team as being one of the most dominant. They had an incredible blue line, and Scott Niedermeyer, the Conn Smythe winner. I was going to say, that what that would suggest to me, and certainly knowing that J.S. Shiguer was their goaltender at the time, you hear stats like that, and you're like, oh, the goalie must have won the Conn Smythe and just like been unreal. He was very good. Yep. But uh, Scott Niedermeyer as the, as the Conn Smythe winner, maybe a little bit of a lifetime achievement, mm. uh, Conn Smythe, but obviously he was very good. Uh, good enough, in fact, that they only needed 21 games to seven below the minute below the maximum yeah uh speaking of easy though this is another part of you know me projecting perhaps um thinking about what's going to happen in this series that it, it it almost feels too easy for the leafs to to come out guns ablaze and looking like the team that we saw for 82 games looking like the team that at their best have looked better than the lightning tonight like just cruising for 60 minutes and it being like a celebration down at scotiabank arena it, it just it feels too easy for this it team. shouldn't be that easy it's playoff hockey and you're playing against a team that's you know three-time defending eastern conference champions and has a couple of cups with the this core it's not look if it was easy if any of this was easy the leafs wouldn't have failed uh like almost 20 years in a row to to get past this point and i mean it just it wouldn't be what it is it wouldn't be this important if mm-hmm. it was as easy as that so maybe it happens and if it does happen i think you know Awesome. Uh, I'll cheers to that. It would be great to see from this group. My argument would be, yeah, hey, like maybe this Leafs team deserves the, the bounces and certainly yeah. over the course of the, the last just, near it's decade. It's not supposed they do, to be easy, though. But but not in this series. They've already no. won two overtime games, right? Mm-hmm. They, they were thoroughly outplayed in game three, won the game. They were outplayed significantly in the first period, period and a bit of game four, won the game. Really, they've got the majority of the bounces in this in this series. Uh, we'll see what happens tonight. Renault Lavoie of TVI Sports. He's there. He's going to be watching the game. Uh, he's covering the Stanley Cup playoffs and uh, including this series. So we will talk to him next. We get you set for puck drop down at Scotiabank Arena. Game five, Leafs and Lightning. It's the fan drive time. Ben Ennis, Blake Murphy. We are live on Sportsnet 590, the fan, and live on Sportsnet 360.